Hey, hey, everyone, it's Katie McGregor Bennett, your host for Connecting Tech and Design, a new podcast that was launched to explore the intersection of technology and design. Tonight, we have guests Alex Capasolatro of Josh AI, Chris Smith and Bruce Reed of Cloud9 Smart, and Robin Rigby Fisher of Robin Rigby Fisher Design in Portland, Oregon. Thank you so much for joining us on Connecting Tech and Design, new podcast series being launched in 2019. Appreciate you all joining me tonight. Alex Capasolatro, Josh AI, how are you, sir? Doing well. Yeah, excited to be here. This is a super exciting time. The convergence of design and technology is just really starting to thrive. It is. It is. Absolutely, indeed. And especially as the holidays are starting to come on, we're starting to see a lot more um, about it. So it's, it's, uh, it's, as always, technology drives the holidays, but uh, we're not here to talk about the holidays. We're here to talk about convergence of technology and interior design. So we'll carry on with that. With our guests, I wanted to also introduce Bruce Reed of Cloud9 Smart. Bruce, how are you? Great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Chris Smith, also of Cloud9 Smart. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much. Bruce already said it for us. <laughs> Excellent. And last but not least, Robin Fisher, how are you? I am great. I'm really excited to be here. So thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. Appreciate you guys. So the reason that we're gathered here today for Connecting Tech and Design, um, this is an episode that's, that's dedicated to a discussion about AI, um, but also voice assistance and how interior design is converging with home technology. Um, for myself and for several of our guests, Alex, Chris, and Bruce, who work on the audiovisual side of the world, um, AV and tech, um, obviously we've been um, converging, if you will, for, for quite some time with different areas of the home and therefore the the term that's known as smart home, smart home technology. But as we're going into 2019, um, there's a lot of conversation in the industry now about um, ways that the smart home is now including other technologies that we're not as familiar with, or I shouldn't say as familiar with, but where we haven't had as much of a, uh, a main connection to, um, specifically the smart kitchen, smart bath, um, and, and uh, sort of those kind of related areas. That sort of convergence had created a conversation with myself and Robin Fisher earlier this year around an event called CEDIA Expo. And CEDIA is an acronym, the Custom Electronic Design and Installation Association. And the Expo is the annual gathering of all the manufacturers and suppliers that support the industry, but then also the installers and integrators, the professionals who work in the field to install and integrate these technologies into the home. And this year, more than ever, we've had a, uh, an interest and a focus on smart homes, connected homes. Um, sorry, smart homes we've always had the connection with, but with the connected kitchen and connected bath. So Robin and I got talking a little bit as the show, after the show, about um, a component of the expo called the Connected connected Design. Um, and there was uh, a group of interior designers who were invited to come out to CD Expo and tour the floor, get to know some of the manufacturers, the exhibitors, learn about the technologies. And so started a conversation between Robin and myself and really was the inspiration for this podcast, particularly the show that we're, that we're having here tonight. So, Robin, with that big, long-winded introduction, wanted to welcome you um, to Connecting Tech and Design, but also to um, welcome you sort of to the to the AV world a bit. Um, you joined us at, a, at CD Expo, but you haven't really had a chance, as far as I know, to spend some time doing a bit of a deep dive on technology with integrators and manufacturers. So, I thought today would be 
a good opportunity to to do that and kind of focus in on some of the topics that you had mentioned to me you were interested in um, coming out of, of CD Expo. So again, a little bit more of a long-winded introduction, but <laughs> the reason we're gathered here today. Um, so I wanted to kind of revisit that conversation and pull you pull you in and share with me a little bit how you're how your experience was with um, the CDA Expo opportunity and sort of what you saw at the show from a technology standpoint and what um, really what resonated with you and, and where some of your questions lies from a technology standpoint. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. Um, you know, when I went to CDA, I didn't have a, I don't have a real love I didn't have a really good relationship with technology. I have technology in my home and I, I say that with quotes. Um, it's kind of a do it yourself system and I can't run my TV. Like I cannot figure out how to make my TV work, which is really sad. <laughs> it's actually probably a good thing, but it's, it's tough. And my experience has been in the industry with kitchen and bath, especially with um, appliances. It's like, why? You know, I really don't need my dishwasher ordering my dish soap for me. I'm pretty smart. I can order my own dish soap. So I, I didn't really see the value of it until I went to CDM because I don't think what's happening in the world of appliances is actually um, has enough of a value. For example, there's some appliance companies that have a camera inside the refrigerator so you could see what you have. But if you put a carton of milk right in front of the camera, all you're going to see is the carton of milk and you don't know how much milk is in there. So I didn't really see much of a value to it. But when I went to CDN, I got to talk to all of you guys and was like, whoa, I can definitely see where the value is going to come into play for my clients and not necessarily just for um, appliances, but for more for making the house functional and work easier. And when I, I actually spent some time talking to Alex with, about Josh AI and was wowed by it. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, and, and he explained it really easily for me to try to, to get a better understanding of how the systems work. Um, and as a designer, you know, the first thing I didn't, I didn't understand where to start. You know, do I have to have my clients spend $25,000 to get their house set up? I didn't realize that that was something that we could do, you know, that we could do it in bits and pieces. So um, it really opened my eyes to the whole concept of how connectivity can help my clients in their home to make their life easier. Got it. Yeah. And, in, and what's really interesting is you're not the only person that went to CD Expo and had a conversation with Alex Capasolato or anybody from the Josh AI team and came away with, with the notion of, wow, that's amazing. It's, uh, and that's why we have Alex on the show. And it's, I think that there is, um, there's such a, a, an interesting but an emotional connection once you start talking to a system and it and it produces a result that's very natural, and and we'll t we'll pull Alex in and we'll talk a little bit specifically about their about their system. Um, but I suspect that that was part of part of the thing that that really kind of resonated with you. But I I, I know too from talking um, with you off offline and through social media after the event that it was just sort of the the communications or the interactivity um, interconnectivity of the different devices and um, and technologies but and, and the appliances and how how is that 
I hate to bring up the term, but how is that ecosystem going going to work? Um, and sort of what else as designers do you need to know? Um, and so I think, <laughs> you know, I think it's uh, that's sort of the, the the question du jour. So I, I in my head I'm going, gosh, you know, do I want to pull Alex in or do I want to pull Chris in? So I think what I want to do, Chris Smith, I want to sling over to you quickly to get sort of the integrators um, integrators input here based on what Robin teed up and sort of her experience from the expo. And then Chris, uh, actually, Alex, why don't you follow Alex, I'm sorry, Alex, why don't you follow Chris in um, and share a little bit from the, the Josh perspective and specifically how, um, what you guys do and, and how you do things differently, uh, hopefully, so that sort of the, the, the way that the world um, of, of audiovisual and technology sort of um, intersects here with, with Robin's world of interior design. So Chris, um, jump in here if you would. So knowing that this is the first podcast, why don't we start off with kind of the basics of what an integrator yeah. is. Um, our job is to take the various manufacturers that exist, Josh being one of those manufacturers, and there are many, many others, hundreds, thousands of manufacturers that are out there. And our job is to then meet with the clients, their designers, and come up with a plan for the specific products and manufacturers that will work in a given residence, and then how all of those will actually function together at a technical level to give the client what they want while giving the designer what they want, which is hidden, um, and then making sure that the client gets the most out of the, those pieces of technologies. So our job is to kind of bridge each of those spaces. Um, and whereas the manufacturer will likely not be in the job site or at the residence, uh, helping to make sure that that product works well from the design perspective, the installation perspective, or most importantly, the service perspective, we are that lifelong connection from the client back to their system. Um, so when we think about technology, it all kind of starts with the foundation, which is what's it all going to run on? And typically these days it's a network. And so when we think about all these connected devices, what are we connecting them with? Well, ideally we're wiring up as many things as we can and then anything we can't, we're putting on wireless. Um, and the more we think about it up front, the more options we have available to us. If we think about this too late, we have very few options available to us. The number of manufacturers we can choose get very small, and the number of solutions we have that can be hidden get even smaller. And so our goal is to try and present a, a design forward approach where we approach people like interior designers, architects, and builders, and really come to the table with a really good backbone and, and process to allow them to have as many options available for their clients as they might like to choose. And then from there, what options they choose to, to put in the home can be quite varied from client to client, home to home. Cool. Yeah, so just jumping in, Alex here. Um, it's interesting. I've spent, at this point, about 15 years working at the intersection of design and technology. And when I think about what we're doing today, I really see this more as a design job. You know, we're designing the experiences that our clients get to have from the first moment that they wake up, as they go through the house, when they first come home from work, when they're going to bed, how complicated, how frustrating, how, you know, what do they have to deal with when they're trying to control their environments? And so we certainly have on one side of the spectrum, the, you know, cool gadgets, the, the connected appliances and the ability to have an amazing theater to watch a movie. But much deeper than that, we have the ability to introduce sort of an all-in-one system that can provide your security and your cameras. You can easily control your thermostats remotely. If you happen to have a ski house or a vacation home, 
You can get it all ready before you get there. And then when you're in the home, what's the experience of being able to easily control, you know, the right music at the right time in the right location, you know, the right movies, the right temperature, you know, if you want to have automated shades or automated lighting or automated fountains, whatever it happens to be, we have this opportunity to create a really amazing experience for the client that transforms the idea of their home simply being, you know, four walls and a roof to a place that's really personal, a place that's designed for them, both the look and, and you know, the aesthetic, but also how it operates, you know, how it works. And so what I love with Josh is, yes, we do a lot with voice control, and yes, we do a lot with artificial intelligence, but it's all based on the idea of let's design the, the most intuitive, easy-to-use experience for the end client that puts a smile on their face. And collectively with people like Robin and people like Chris and Bruce, we're able to create these environments that, honestly, a couple of years ago, I never would have thought would have even been possible but the stuff we're doing today is really the stuff of the future. It's, it's exciting stuff. I, I think Alex hit on a really interesting point, which I like to kind of reiterate. And he's said before, and he'll probably say it again during this program, the idea that we should focus on the things that clients actually use. There are many things that clients will never, ever do. There'll be many things that can be these really kind of tagline things that you might see on the but in reality, that's not what people do every day. That's not actually how they live. And so if we can really make the things that they do every day quite simple, and if we can do the things that they do every day really well, that's what they'll remember. And if we can, if we can actually leave a better impression of how they use their spaces, then they're going to want more of that and more of their spaces, including their offices and other homes and the future home that they build that they didn't put the thing in today. So... All of that to me makes a, a lot of sense. And whenever we get the really bizarre request, we always go, why would somebody want to do that? That just sounds like a really great way to be frustrated. So our job is to always help kind of people find that happiness in the data. One thing I'll add to that too is, you know, one of the problems that the integrators historically have over the years is, you know, we want to say yes to everything. But as a, you know, as an industry, we, we need to be comfortable saying, that's a bad idea because of this reason. And that's sort of where we can tie into, you know, our relationship with designers and whatnot is when a designer may not know as much as we do about how a keypad should be programmed or how, a, you know, how an interface should look, you know, we as the experts, we have to kind of come in and we have to kind of guide that process because a lot of people have never done this stuff before. They, they think they might want something to work a certain way, not knowing that that's actually just to make your life harder. It's going to make it much more complicated. And so what, what is the simplest way we can do something to accomplish a specific goal? That's always something we're kind of always asking ourselves. And I think that's a really good way of, of approaching it um, in the, so the, the benefit of the, uh, to our audiences, unfortunately, we don't get to see the chat sessions that are going on because this is just an audio session. But um, Robin, you had commented to Chris that, that what he was suggesting is that for the designer and the client to think big and start small. Um, and I think that's, I think that's exactly um, what, that, that's part of what we're saying, but I think that that's a very good approach to take, particularly if, if 
technology isn't something that's been a big part of, of your world um, previously. And, it, you know, to this, I say to, you know, to designers and to consumers alike, um, you know, it's always, it's always a good idea to, to, to start with what you're comfortable with and then build, build upon that. And I think that's where the, the role of the integrator really does come in and choosing who that integrator is and forming a relationship with that individual or that group um, and making sure that your needs align with their offering and that their capabilities are such that will allow you to grow and for, for your clients to continue to get more of what they want as they become more and more comfortable with, with the technology. And, and so a lot of this podcast was, you know, the inspiration for it was, was to start these conversations, but then to, to help us all sort of better understand what the needs are from both sides so that as individuals, we can do a better job with whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. But also, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, we're, we're not happy until the customer's happy. <laughs> And that's a common thread here. So, you know, I think it's, it is really important and is with so much technology evolving so quickly and in such a way that I think the mainstream consumer is going to see um, sort of be presented with technology in a, in a way that they haven't before in things as simple as making dinner, dinner, you know, um, and we, you know, we've been joking about the refrigerator and the microwave and the, and the toaster and, you know, do we really need these things to to communicate? And I say, absolutely we do. Um, and there's, you know, we'll talk a little bit about more about that, but, there's such a good opportunity to to get more of your life back when we embrace technology and and you know and I think with with Robin and talking with you especially and we're you know talking about the kitchen you know and and where where is technology starting to come in um, and making more of a play in 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 your world and where do you see that there's then a need to have um, these relationships with integrators um, you know, professionals on the audio video side who can help sort of make that experience real um, and make sure that what you, your customers coming to you asking for that you can ensure that they'll get the experience once everything's been installed. Um, and, you know, where's that, that's sort of that handoff. So if you would kind of pick up the conversation again, a little bit there from, from the interior designers world and where, where is technology coming, coming into play and what are the types of things that they're asking you for or that they're seeing from being advertised that are starting to kind of um, rise to the surface of being um, products that they're looking for and looking for you to, to help them find a home in their home for. I'm not actually even getting clients asking for it yet. I mean, many people have Alexa in their house um, they use Siri on their phone, but they're not asking for it. And I think part of that is, is I don't even know how to bring up the conversation. You know, it's how do I bring, how, we, I, I think many designers don't even know how to bring the conversation, get the conversation started, understanding price points, understand, you know, because clients are always saying, well, how much is that going to cost? And it's not hard for me to sell the benefits of something, but they have to be able to afford it, right? And I, I didn't realize, like um, what Chris had said earlier, essentially, I'm going to use that phrase from now on, is you have to think about everything you could possibly want to do, and then we can eat, eat the elephant in bites. And I think a lot of people are understand, get that, and they're cool with it. The problem is, I don't know everything that technology can do. And that's where, I mean, you guys are constantly saying, oh, you can do this, you can do that. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't even wrap my head around all of it. I can't wrap my head around all of it. And some of it I see as being just superfluous and kind of silly, but then I see other things like um, learning about Ketra lighting, just an, oh my goodness, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And that would change 
my clients' health benefits. I mean, I can see that. But here's the biggest problem, is my clients have just moved to LED lighting. Integrated par lamps, you know, that's still, you know, $100 a can. And now we're looking at Ketra, which is $600 a, you know, a lamp, which is that huge jump. And our clients are two steps behind that. So I don't even know how to, you know, like, like I said, I think somebody made a note. <laughs> you, Alex said, you don't even know all the things we can do, um, <laughs> which I think is really scary. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't even have my head wrapped around all the opportunities out there for my client. And, um, you know, I do get the concept of bringing an integrator in early on, but, for me to bring an integrator on early, I need to be able to at least have a direction to be able to say to you, this is what we're looking for. Robin, I think your point's super valid. It's, it's a where do we start. Having a trusted partner is really, really helpful. And the reason why we say that is because if you were to sit down and try and, and wrap your head around all the things that are in technology, in six to nine months, you'd be behind again because it's a continuous evolution of what is there. And so our job is to be that continuously evolved, educated person to then participate in the conversation with you as that trusted partner. The choices that the clients make are actually less crucial to us. That they choose to do lighting or shades is not relevant. That they choose to do audio or video is not relevant. But if we don't ask the questions in a very easy to understand, non-technical way, the client never gets the option to say yes or no. And so if I explain to them, would you like tunable white lighting? Their eyes will glaze over. But if on the other hand, I say, if I showed you a light and when I turned it this way, it made the apple look more like an apple and your skin look more fleshed out. And when I turn it this way, you don't see any of that. Would that be an interesting thing in your kitchen? And somebody might go, that sounds amazing. I would love that. Whether they would choose to buy it or not is then relevant to price, but it's not relevant to education or desire at that point. And I think so our job is to not sit down and talk about technology or features or things. It's to talk about the changes and the opportunities and the options that a client could pick from. And, and if I tried to educate you just on that alone, we can get you a base layer, but we'd never be able to keep you up to, up to date on everything just due to the pace and speed that it moves. Yeah, and I'll just jump in. It's, it's a really interesting concept to understand because I started this only about three and a half years ago as a homeowner that didn't know anything about the industry, I was renovating a home in Beverly Hills and I'm a technology guy. I've worked in software and hardware for a long time, but I didn't know Crestron from Lutron. I didn't know what any of these brands really meant. And I was getting these proposals that were oftentimes six figures and beyond. And it just, it, it looked like Chinese to me. I didn't have really any understanding of, of what I was dealing with. And what I've learned since, which is a, a really important thing to, to figure out, is that as Chris was saying, it's really tough to wrap your head around all of the options, partly because it, it is changing so quickly, but finding a trusted integrator, someone that is not going to try to just upsell you on the next gadget, they're going to really listen to your needs and they're going to try to help deliver on what's going to make you as a client happy. That's, that's vital. And getting that sort of initiated, what happens is the integrator is going to help sort of introduce the spectrum of options for all the different types of, of control that you want. So for example, I was in a, a beautiful home in Palm Springs yesterday. This is a $10 million home. It's fantastic. 
but the control system is really not that advanced. It's, it's missing a lot. And what's interesting is they put in these motorized shades that when they're up or down, they look beautiful. The designer did a great job, but when they're in motion, they're using a pretty antiquated, super loud motor that quite frankly, you're never going to want to operate at nighttime, right? You're never going to want to operate in front of clients or in front of friends or in front of guests. And, and what happens is a good integrator is going to tell you for $600 a window, you can get this solution where the motor is, you know, a little bit louder and maybe not as fast, but this is kind of the, the lower cost. And for twice that price, you can get this super quiet, you know, faster motor. And this is what the experience is going to be different. And so it's, it's just been so interesting for me learning about the vast variety of options when it comes to, to lighting, as we discussed, when it comes to thermostats, or when you look at something like speakers, a lot of people, especially on the voice control side, they're accustomed to being able to ask Alexa for music. The problem is the, the music that you get out of an Amazon speaker is really not quality compared to what you can get out of a professional system. But when you say, well, is a professional system twice the price or three times the price? The reality is a good pair of speakers can range anywhere from probably $500 to $500,000. And there's a lot in between. And, and Chris knows a lot about this. He was at Macintosh previously, so maybe he wants to jump in. But just understanding that this is a very complicated landscape and there are professionals like Cloud9 that can really help you navigate it. That, that to me is the important thing to take away. Josh's range of, or Alex's comment on the range of pricing is really valid. Um, we, you know, the New York City market's a little bit more expensive, say, than Texas, but we tried to sit down and distill um, a dollar per square foot range that we thought could be a guidepost for clients. Every client's going to choose differently, and Alex's comment about speakers is very valid. So in a, in a world of ranges, what should my range be to think about technology that's going to go into a smart home? Well, if we're going to do the whole home, we think that the number is right around $35 to $75 a square foot. That number um, gives us a lot of flexibility, but it means that if we don't do shading, shades and lighting, that that number is going to be about half that number. So when we start to think about ranges, we say all in. Lighting, shading, audio, video, network control, climate integration, voice control, the whole bit, 35 to 75 bucks a square foot. Now that works up into a house that's about 10,000 square feet. Above that number, the number actually comes down quite a lot. And if the house is really small, say below 1,000 square feet, that number then goes up because there's some baked in relative costs that are necessary. But that then gives the client some opportunity to think about, oh, wow, this is not for me or well, that is not in my budget. Um, but at least if we start with the idea that, well, what does a shade cost? Shades are 1500 bucks a window. Okay. That's a really good benchmark number. Do I want them in one or two windows or can I put them all throughout my house? What does a lighting control system cost? Well, it probably starts at around five grand, but for most that we see they're around 20. And then as you go from there, you start to really kind of get a feel for, oh, well this part I like and that part I don't like enough to spend the money. So you know, to Alex's point, we're really always trying to sit down and think about from the client's value perspective, what do they value and where do we want to spend that money? Because this might not be valuable to them. Spending twice as much on speakers might not be the same thing as spending twice as much on shades. So let's make sure we spend the money right. 
Yeah, something to jump in with that as well, which has been very confusing in the last probably 24 to 36 months. There are a number of lower cost products that in some cases outperform the higher cost products. So for example, there's a, a Nest IQ camera. This camera is not for everyone because it's really an indoor camera, needs to be plugged into an outlet, so it's hard to hide the cables. But if this camera works for your setting, it's probably a lower cost camera that has more functionality it has baked in facial recognition. It will alert you about people and animals, all sorts of stuff. And it's, I think, 350 bucks, where you can easily spend thousands of dollars on a camera that can't do as much, but it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. And one of the things that we're constantly going back and forth on is if there's a lower cost option that can do more than the higher cost option without any negative you know, pushback, we as a, a manufacturer want to partner with that. We want to work with that because that might be what's best for the customer. It just depends though. I mean, you can't always say more, more money gets you more, you know, it gets you a better experience. It doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, and I know there are definitely some manufacturers who may be listening in on this that uh, that, that cater to the custom install side of, of the AV world. They're going, <gasps> but, you know, I think it's, uh, for this program, we, we have to talk about sort of the range. And, you know, to Chris's point earlier um, about the range of pricing and um, and Robin, you know, especially for for you to know and, and understand for, for your audience as well is that there is a, there's a really broad range. Um, and we, we tend to get on the, on the, in the CDA channel and the custom install side, we tend to really kind of focus in on those specialty products that, that require a little extra or a lot extra, depending on what, on what that thing is. Um, but, you know, we've, we're trying to kind of keep this conversation focused on the fact that, you know, there's, there's that, but there also are more mainstream um, technologies or deployments of technology that can be more mainstream in their usage, um, even if they're, you know, considered custom. So, you know, for the, for the benefit of our audience here, um, some of the products that are being mentioned are at one end of the spectrum and that clearly and obviously is, is um, you know, a stopping point in between as, as well as at the other end. But, you know, it really kind of comes down to what, what are the needs? What are your needs? What are your clients' needs? If you're a professional that's working with a client, um, you know, what are, what are their interests? What's their lifestyle? Um, and, and as soon as I say that lifestyle word, Robin, I'm going to sling over to you. Tell us a little bit about the lifestyle survey and the things that you do when you're talking to clients about a project, whether you've known them before or whether it's, um, or if it's a brand new relationship, what's the conversation that takes place with you that helps you understand what their interests are, what their needs are, expectations and those kinds of things? Is, that, is there a formal process or how do you approach it? So I actually have a lifestyle questionnaire that does not include anything about technology. So because I don't know the questions to ask about that, but what I do ask my clients, um, my lifestyle questionnaire does not have to do with what they want the room to look like. It has nothing to do with that. It's more about who lives in the house, who's going to live in the house. Is their, how, their home going to expand or is it contracting, right? Um, how any physical limitations people have, how long they're going to be in their home, you know, do they plan on retiring there? How do they grocery shop? How do they entertain? What their um, sustainability quotient is? You know, do they believe in do they believe in global warming and stuff like that? But do they compost, recycle? You know, any of those kind of issues? I have not brought in technology into the question, um, and I don't. I yeah, and this is why I need you guys because I don't. I want to. I want to incorporate it. I see the value to be able to help my clients 
in so many ways. I, I just I honestly have become a convert, uh, a huge convert. So I just think it's amazing, but I don't know how to actually even talk to my clients about it. And it's not hard. I mean, we have so much of an influence on our clients in a positive way to make their lives so much easier and for them to be able to live in their home so much longer. And this is only one more part of it. This is, it's incredible what this can do for our clients. Um, I just need the help to be able to know how to, I mean, I think that's where we're missing it is we can do so much to bring this into um, people's homes, but we just need to know the how, the, you know, how to, how to sell it. So uh, let me jump in on that real quick. So w- the, one of the ways we, we kind of approach our, our design philosophy in general, and, and I think probably is similar to, to your approach as well, which is that you, know, you don't want to get too granular too soon. You're right. You got to kind of look at design as like, what, what, are, what are the broad spro- strokes? What are the big picture things that we want to do? And then we can kind of, you know, shrink and shrink and shrink the granular interest of every single thing, you know, as, as we move through the design process. So we, we use a certain budget tool, it's called Slate Plan, that we use that basically when we're sitting with the client, we'll sit there and we we'll say, hey, you know, do you want speakers in this room? Yes, we want speakers. Okay, so we'll drag our grade A speaker. It doesn't matter the price right away. It's just the, the, the concept is, do we want a speaker in this room? And then from there, you can kind of have the more granular conversation. Well, what... What kind of speaker? Is it going to be an invisible speaker? Is it going to be a small aperture speaker? You know, and, and, and kind of move forward, you know, in that way. But what's I think most important is like, what are the broad strokes, right? Like, what, what do you want to accomplish in sort of a broad way? And, and don't get too bogged down in all the specific details, because there are so many details. And it's a lot of them aren't even really relevant to the end user. I think that's one of the problems with, with, with the quotes that Alex was talking about earlier is he gets all these quotes and it's all these details. And it's like, well, what does that tell me about my system? What is that, you know, what am I actually doing with it? Yeah, I'll just jump in as well. On the manufacturing side, it's a little bit different because we have a lot of clients that come to us specifically saying they want our product. And what's interesting is we keep running into integrators that just don't listen to that very client. So what will happen is, a client will reach out and they'll say, I want your system because I want to be able to voice control my music or my TV or my lights or multiple of these things. And in some cases, what happens is the integrator or the architect or someone along the way stops listening to what the client's telling us directly they want. And we start pitching, well, you could do this and you can do that and kind of all this, you know, complicated stuff. What I find that's so interesting from my perspective Clients often know exactly what they want. They don't know all of the the how and and all the variables, but they know, like Bruce was saying, that they want music in this room. They know that they're going to entertain in this room. They know that they want to wake up and be able to have the shades open up and have, you know, the lights dim on. Like, people have an idea of what they want more often than not. And if we just listen better and, and sort of lean in and say, we can deliver that here are the variables here are the knobs that you can push and turn and sort of control i think we'll be a much more successful industry i just keep running into folks that we work with that they're so smart and they know so much but they just they're not listening and it drives me crazy (laughs) i like the idea that that these technology pieces become part of a design palette 
And one of those ways that I think about a design palette is, you know, Bruce mentioned invisible speakers earlier. Josh, uh, Josh talks about voice and what's going to be happening in the home at a voice level. These are palette questions. They're not very specific. They're options. And I think what's great about it is that when a client says, oh, uh, yeah, music in my bedroom, that sounds fantastic. The designer inherently doesn't want to see it. And most clients don't either. And so therefore, the invisible speaker becomes a design element to allow and enable the solution that the client asked for. But inherently, the client almost would never ask for an invisible speaker because they don't know it exists. And so I think about options that exist like that, lighting control that goes in the wall that you can still talk to in a smart way. That's really great, but not everybody knows that there's a better way to do it than the DIY option. And so the DIY options an afterthought, and we can do it even better than that if we're thinking about it designed forward from a palette option. And so I, I find myself somewhere between Alex and Bruce in this one, which is, yes, we should absolutely listen to clients because they know what they like. However, they don't know all the options. And so how do we guide them through that in a, in a very clear and concise way? And from a designer's perspective, the designer is always coming up with these really fantastic ideas and ways to implement things. I think we need as an industry to be able to empower them to do that with technology at a level that they previously had not. And so what are those really neat things um, that we should at least make sure we check off the list? Client has been offered the option for and has said they're not interested, therefore we don't have to worry about it. And that I find to be really, really useful. Um, and then after that, great, you don't want it, no problem. But I would not be doing my job if I didn't ask the question, right? Kind of like the, the Chinese menu, if you will. What, one thing really briefly that we haven't hit on, but it's sort of an interesting undertone. For the most part in this discussion, we've not been talking about brands. You know, we're talking about lifestyle and experiences. And I think that's really important. A, a number of our partners tend to get you know, certified as a dealer of a certain brand, which is a, a great thing to do for sure, but then it becomes the selling point, right? They're pushing a brand on the client, and whenever possible, I think if you can kind of forget about the brand of the control system or the brand of the lighting system or the brand of the voice control, and you just talk about the lifestyle, you talk about the problems that you're solving, it'll be a much more enjoyable conversation. And really, at the end of the day, the brand of the individual component shouldn't matter. And, and this is coming from someone who manufactures a brand, right? It really shouldn't matter to the client if the overall system operates in a way that they enjoy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, really, the best designs should be relatively agnostic, right? You know, that it doesn't matter whether it's an X speaker or a Y speaker, it's do they want a speaker, right? And what type, what is the fit and finish of that speaker, right? There's a ton of options out there for fit and finish in terms of who makes what. It's just, it's more like categorical, right? What is the agnostic design that says this is what the client wants? Well, that's the truth. I mean, it, it has to be the right product for the right client. And there, there's no blanket product. There's not one product out there that's, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about that in my industry. There's so many different options and it has to be the right product for the client. That's, and, but the only way to know that is to ask the question. And somebody made a comment, um, Chris, you made a comment about if a client says they're not interested in something, you check it off the list. I would say in my experience, when a client says, they don't want it. They don't know enough about it. 
tasks many times, depending upon their pro- their budget. I don't believe in overselling my clients at all, but I don't want a client to miss out on an opportunity that could help their life, their experience, the way they're going to live in their home. So sometimes if it's somebody says, I'm not interested in that, it might be, I'm just not interested in it now. And then if we bring it up later, once they have more understanding, more um, knowledge under their belt, and that's where you guys come into play. You know, Chris and Bruce, I would be bringing you on my project for you to be able to help my client to understand the big picture because I don't. I I don't have all that. I just know what my client's needs are. And you're the ones who are going to say, this is how it's going to fit your needs. Yeah, we, we're always really cautious about pushing on a client. You know, we have our favorite brands and our favorite products that we know work really well that we would call them trusted vendors. And those trusted vendors don't always fit in every client's lifestyle. Um, an example might be, you know, I don't watch TV and listen to music outside, right? Whether we're talking about a rooftop terrace in New York City or a backyard in Portland, Oregon. Um, if people don't live their life that way, then we don't want to be spending our money out there. Now, we, we give them the option, hey, did you know that you can? And if so, we're going to make sure we install these technologies. But then the question starts to become things like, we're going to install music inside. Well, you know, Alex made the great point earlier regarding, you know, should that speaker be a really inexpensive Amazon speaker or should it be something a little bit better and should it be more design forward? Well, now when we mention those options, Bruce talked about small aperture, right? Like speakers that match lights. That's now a design cue element or a speaker that's invisible is now invisible. You don't have to see it at all. So our job is to at least try and make sure we cover those. And then sometimes the client goes, no, I don't want music at all in this room. And you go, okay, great. Then we don't have to have this conversation anymore. And we, we politely move on from that. But we at least want to make sure that they had the choice because sometimes they think, no, I don't want it because then it means I have to see it. Or no, I don't want it because that means then it has to be very expensive. And our, our kind of education around that is to at least make them understand those bounds of the options. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, you know, what's really interesting about this conversation is, is that um, I think uh, we know that our industries are working with very similar clientels and that we're faced with a lot of the same challenges, but I, what I'm hearing here is there's a a different approach to the conversation that um, an interior designer will take as they're starting to work with a client as, as there is with an integrator um, though both are driving to a similar goal. Um, and so I think, you know, that, that, again, another reason that we wanted to bring this podcast to life was to sort of explore these, these areas where, you know, we've got two very successful industries independent of one another, but now more and more, those two are, are starting to converge and, and, and the two are relying on each other more and more and will, and will continue to do so more so in the future. Um, so I think, you know, it's really interesting to, to really hear sort of from the ground up, you know, how, how do the conversations take place? What are you asking? What, you know what how much do you know of your client before you start recommending products or services to them um and how do you get you know how does that conversation sort of transpire and i think you know chris you and i have talked previously before this show but you know just sort of about that conversation and what what does the customer need to know the consumer the um the the homeowner what do they need to know as far as from a budgeting um standpoint or you know just an overall technology and and you know robin with you and others in the interior design world, you know, that's, 
that's sort of been kind of an unknown is, you know, what <laughs> we, we know, we know sort of what the technologies are, uh, what they are and, and where customers are interfacing with them, but what's it all cost and how do, how do I even know what to bring into my specs and my recommendations and, you know, to start making the right expectations um, with my clientele. And so, you know, I really, I love the way that you guys were all kind of uh, getting into that conversation and sharing, you know, a little bit more of your experience there. Um, Alex, I'm going to pull you in if I if I can, and you know, it's because you have been at this intersection of design and technology for for so long now, um, and and Josh AI really exists um, as a result of of that. But talk a little bit, if you will, about um, sort of where technology is going, and sort of um, I guess where where I'm coming from is you know I think one of the questions that a lot of people would be asked that they would probably be answered incorrectly, which is you know how important is voice control or how how important is voice um, to your world. And I think if I were to ask 10 people that I know outside of the industry, the answer is going to be zero. But rephrase the question to, would you like to be able to communicate with your home in such a way to make sure that you have a security mechanism to make sure that you've got, you know, whatever's important to you. And I think that it's just a matter of how you ask the question to understand really what that what the interest is and what the expectation. So Alex, for you, talk a little bit, if you would, about sort of, you know, how do people get involved with voice as a technology and how do you think that people like Robin um, and others in the design world should be broaching that subject um, and sort of, you know, kind of opportunities there as you see them. Yeah. So there, there's a lot here. I'm going to try to not ramble on for too long, <laughs> but the, the first thing that's interesting is when you want to be able to voice control your home, the design of the room, the acoustics of the room, the architecture of the room, all of that greatly impacts how good or how bad a microphone can hear you. And so if we can get conversations starting earlier between the integrator, the interior designer, and the architect about the understanding that a client's going to walk into their home through this door, it's going to be a dark home, there's no music, the shades are closed, they're going to want to be able to give a voice command, you know, Josh, I'm home. Well, where's the microphone going to be placed? Where do we have to run wires? What's the acoustics of that room? If it's a lot of hard surfaces, can we put in some carpeting or sofas or something to dampen the acoustics? Because if you don't do that, we see it sometimes is very difficult to get good voice control in certain rooms. So that's kind of the first thing to figure out in terms of if you're in early enough and you know that voice control is important, what can you do from a design perspective and an architecture perspective to really give the client the best result, you know, the best quality of, of their, their audio. The next thing is there's a big difference in safety, security, and privacy between all the different platforms out there. Um, you know, for example, the big tech companies have gotten some write-ups lately about, are they always listening? Where's your data being stored? Is, you know, they're a vulnerability from a hacking perspective. You know, people don't want to have an always listening microphone in a bedroom that could potentially be exposed no matter how convenient that becomes. And that's something where we really like to emphasize as a, as a manufacturer on providing really top-notch privacy and security elements into what we do. Um, it's important to, to try to understand. And, you know, if you're the client or if you're the designer and you feel like the technology is a little bit confusing, reach out to someone like Chris or Bruce, you know, reach out to someone that, you know, and that knows this stuff really well because, you know, we've heard horror stories of people having 
big mass market speaker, you know, smart speakers in the rooms. And then they start seeing ads based on conversations they're having and they really don't feel comfortable. You know, no one wants to feel like they're being watched in their own room. And so I think part of what, what you're getting at is companies like mine and other, you know, more luxury, um, you know, custom installed products really do care and, and, and prioritize that luxury client where their privacy is important, their, their well-being is important. But the thing that's interesting is there's also the, the combination of being able to easily control things when you're not home, if that's what you want. And so, for example, if you put in a professional control system, you know, Crestron, Savant, Control4, Josh, any of our platforms, you can basically get remote access via an app to check in on your cameras, see if you left anything on. If you have guests, you can, you know, turn on the lights for them if you want. You can get the temperature up for them. And that's something where I feel like the remote access, if done wrong, is a security vulnerability. But if done right, is actually a great security asset. You can, you know, check in on your home 3,000 miles away and feel comfortable about the current state. So I'm super excited about it. But I guess the, you know, the big thing to keep in mind that we keep talking about is there's a big difference between, you know, different products that might deliver the same initial experience, right? You say turn on the lights and multiple products will turn on your lights, but how are they doing it? What's going out to the cloud? What's keeping it local? Who's really focused on privacy? And for some clients, that is so important. I'll kind of jump in on a brief history, right? Which is back before control systems, what did you do? The answer is you individually controlled everything and that was fine when very few subsystems existed, right? Lighting was really kind of the only thing you walked into a room to do. Um, now, when you walk into a room, there are so many things that you do between all the various options, there needs to be some way to control it. Um, and that used to be only a keypad, and it was inherently limited to just have physical buttons. And then uh, touchscreens were added on. And with touchscreens added on, it opened up this new world of a way to interface with devices that could be more complex. And that was really great. And then voice was added on to that. So these aren't or conversations, these are and conversations. And in certain rooms and in certain instances, buttons are right, touchscreens are right, and voice is right. And in some applications, all of it's right. Um, we start to look at and what's the best way to do any one of those things. And in some cases, there's better and worse looking keypads, there's better and worse looking touchscreens, and there's better and worse functioning voice control. And then when we start to think about what all those options look like, our job is to distill all that down to something that fundamentally just works for a client and is highly reliable. The next part is gonna be somebody needs to help through the design process install and then service it. And if we start looking at really kind of mass market things, one of those questions we always run into is who you call when that thing goes wrong? Who is your support mechanism? Who do you call when you have a question up front about those kinds of things? It's gonna be really, really tricky and inherently they're just kind of consumer grade devices that aren't meant to have that level of uptime and reliability. Now, when we look at more premium grade products like a Josh style thing, they add in lots of very great abilities that we try and offer to clients. So when we start asking things like, well, how much is your privacy worth? To people that employ these things in their home, it's worth an awful lot. When we think about it in your office, it's worth an awful lot. And then we start thinking about the idea of those ads being served. Um, an example would be, I was talking about liking pulled pork sandwiches, and when I opened up my phone, right on the app were, were 
ads for pulled pork sandwiches. And I was like, this is terrifying. So when we start to think about your home, how much do you want your home actually responsive to you in that way, as opposed to merely doing what you asked? And in fact, what the irony of this is we started off the conversation around doing what your clients have asked for. And at some level, do we really want to be slave to the home doing the other way around? So anyways. Yeah, the, another thing to jump in, and I agree with everything Chris is saying, we've had dealers recently tell us about trying to figure out the true cost of installing a product. For example, you can buy an Amazon Echo Dot during the Black Friday sale for I think $29. You know, the thing's basically free, but the true cost, assuming that you ultimately get everything working properly, is gonna be thousands of dollars to deal with the time of integrating, programming, you know, custom fitting, just getting everything set up properly. And we've had dealers recently that have said they, they will not go down that route again because the client gets this idea in their mind that they're going to get a very low cost product and it's going to perform at the same level as a very, you know, high end product. And, you know, I have to say as a manufacturer, probably half of our engineering resources go into dealer tools, things that allow people like Chris to remotely access, to easily program, to configure on the fly. And that's ultimately what, what allows for a good customer experience when you're buying these DIY products, you know, they sometimes seem too good to be true. And, and in many cases they are. And again, like I'm, I do like some DIY products. Like I mentioned Nest Cams. I, I love those. I think they're, they're amazing products, but there are other cases where you really do get what you pay for in certain circumstances. I think there's another question, which is the integration of some of these devices. It's not that the IoT device or the do-it-yourself device is a good or a bad thing. In, in fact, most of the time, they're actually really nice. The question starts to become when a client then wants five or seven of those things to work together, and none of them were inherently intended to work together, and then we try and put something on top of them that then tries to bolt them all together, does it give the client really what they asked for? And so the client's thinking name brand. I would like a brand A for this and a brand B for that. Um, and they're not thinking that by saying and, and driving in that, that direction that inherently they won't get what they asked for. And so our job is to try and help them say, well, you, you told us you wanted these abilities. And if I give you those brands you've asked for, I actually won't give you those abilities. So we're going to have to concede one point or the other, but we can't concede both. So which way would you like us to go? And when we deal with more premium level control platforms, we can say yes to more things more often. Uh, that's one of the true benefits as opposed to dealing in a DIY environment. And so what we really try and do is look to brands like say Josh and Savant to help us get past that integration barrier. Um, and it allows the client to have many more things of what they've asked for. So, you know, I think there's there's a lot of conversation that's taken place here tonight that that really it continues to to tell the tale, which is, you know, technology is great, and there are tons of advancements coming, um, the evolution at a lightning lightning pace, but not all technologies still interact. Um, not all technologies still communicate well. Not all technologies create a secure environment, and so. It isn't technology isn't a ubiquitously um, safe or easy thing, and and that's something that I think that we all know. But we it's it's something that we just kind of have to remember. And at this point, you know, I think it's really important as consumers um, to to understand 
and and I'll ask you guys to kind of jump in here too. But you know, I think as a consumer, it's it's kind of the onus is on us to understand what it is that we want out of technology, and what is what is our experience expectation, um, and make sure that we're buying the goods and and services that will ensure that we actually get that which we seek, um, as opposed to that which we hear or see an ad about and think it's going to do something and behave a certain way and provide a certain lifestyle or benefit, um, but then not actually be able to or not be able to in such a way without including the help of a professional, which isn't a bad thing. And my profession, that's a great thing. That's the world I work in. We're custom installation for electronics. So, you know, the, the guys and gals that work to make technology and to bring these experiences really to life and to make sure that technology really does work and function the way that, that we expect it to, but also the way that we need it to. And and in there is a big security security point. Um, and not all technology is is there to, uh, or it was created with the type of security mechanisms that will protect your identity, that will protect your network. Um, and those that come um, into your space, work on your network, work in your home. You know, these are all, there's a lot of more considerations that we used to have before. And there's a lot of really good conversation here tonight about it. Um, Chris, I want to sling over to you quickly. And then Alex will do the same for you guys from the AV industry perspective, you know, quick answer, you know, how do you, how does one get their tech to work the way that they want it to? Um, and at what point should they bring in a professional and who is that professional? How do they find them? Sure. Uh, our, our approach is that we do a really heavy evaluation process of every product and manufacturer that we bring in. So no, no client is a guinea pig. There's the first part. If you've never put one of these things into a home before, are you really sure you want it to be your home the first time for the first go of it? That's a tricky challenge. And so we, we think, no, we think testing up front and verifying is better. Next part, we do a design forward approach. So we're always trying to think about design and engineering first. So we're working with designers like Robin and others to sit down and say, great, can you show me a reflected ceiling plan, which is the lighting plan? And can you show me the furniture plan just so I understand some layout of the space? And then bit by bit, room by room, let's lay out all the things that the client is asking for in a, in a concept of a diagram. And then from there, we can actually design the parts and pieces that then give what the client's asked for in the space. We turn that into a set of drawings, just like a designer or architect will have a set of blueprints. That then lives with the project through the bid phase and through the implementation phase, and then for service long after everybody's left the home. So that's our approach, and we start very early. So it tends to be, we'll start when, when really we're just getting the basic layout of a home done. And when we get that basic layout, that's when a client will come to us with their designer, and we'll start to lay out all the various elements that are necessary. That then gives the designer plenty of time to integrate all the various parts and pieces into the aesthetic concerns and hide as much of it as possible and make as many choices as possible out of the palette of options. And then from there, we can then make very specific technical decisions. Cool, yeah, I, I don't have too much to add. I think Chris you know, really covered it well. The one thing that I, I do wanna highlight, I've never seen a home that gets properly set up um, uh, let me actually rephrase that another way. When a home gets properly set up, maybe three months, six months, 12 months later, there's going to be a, be a point where things get upgraded, firmware updates come through, you know, integrations change. You're going to have stuff start to, to fall apart. You're going to have stuff start to, 
basically stop working well together. And that's really where the value of the integrator comes in, in my opinion. It's the idea that as technology evolves, think of it like your cell phone, which you're replacing every 12 to 24 months. Your home is, is a living, evolving ecosystem. And so a, a really good integrator is going to be coming on site. They're going to be remote monitoring. They're going to be getting ahead of, of things that might be problematic. And as new devices come out, right, there was no such thing as voice control five years ago. Well, you might have put in a half million dollar system five to 10 years ago. At this point, you can upgrade, you can make improvements. And so we often recommend to clients, whenever possible, make a decision with the thought that you're going to want to upgrade. There's going to be a newer iPad. There's going to be a newer sound system. There's going to be a new something that you can't even imagine yet. And think of your home as that living, breathing organism. And so the question that you initially asked, Katie, is when, when is it appropriate to bring in a professional integrator? Unfortunately, this is still a luxury industry, right? It's, it's not necessarily going to work for everyone, although prices do tend to be a lot lower than people might think. But if you can afford it and if you are looking for someone that can help make sure that when you go to turn on the TV, it's going to turn on, right? When you go to hit that goodnight switch, everything's going to turn off. That's, that's when it's really necessary to bring on an integrator and then treat it like your car, right? Get it maintained, get it serviced, keep it, you know, running well because things after, you know, after time starts to I unfortunately fall apart, right? That's just the way technology works today. So, love, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Robin, I was just going to ask, would a few key questions be useful that you could ask clients to help guide them towards the idea that they might need to have a conversation with somebody or not? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Understanding just being able to open, start the dialogue would be amazing. Sure. Why don't we start with the things that if you were to ask me 10 years ago, we never were doing right, which is lighting and shading. It is now the most common thing that an integrator puts into a space. And so uh, questions that are really easy for somebody in the design space to ask, what are we doing for window treatments? Would you like those window treatments to be automated in any way, either with wake and sleep or privacy or time of day? Do they need to protect anything? Like, for instance, we might need to put shades up to protect a piano or art. So these are really simple things to understand whether we should be talking about. Do we have a complex lighting plan? And the easiest way is to look at an RCP, uh, which is a reflected ceiling plan, and see this idea of how many light switches or dimmers are ganged together. Whenever we see more than two in a gang plate, we immediately think a lighting system should be in play because then we can take down the wall acne and create a cleaner look and feel. So should we be using lighting system? Nobody's gonna answer yes to that. Let me show you a six gang wall plate. Is that what you want? And client says, no, great. We're gonna talk about a lighting system. And that's gonna give you these other abilities, which is to turn things off, automate them, make them voice controllable, all of those things. Then we start asking questions about the lighting itself. Well, do we want the ability to actually tune the color of white? Nobody inherently is going to think about that question, but when you show them the demo where the tunable white light makes an apple look more like an apple or look less like an apple and it changes the color of art on the wall, people go, I want that. And you go, great, now we're gonna do that with or without a control system. Now we're gonna do that with or without voice. Now we're gonna do that with or without shades. 
but we're talking about something to at least get the conversation started. A network is implicit. There always will be a network. You don't even have to ask that question because everything runs on a network these days. So we should just put in a budget for it. And then we start thinking about things like sound. Almost everybody would like music somewhere. And so the question is, where do you listen to music? That's a much better question than what do you want it to look like or how much do you want to spend? But if you listen to music in the bedroom, that's great. And if you listen to music outside, that's great. But we should ask it room by room. And usually the client will then say, I don't listen to music there. Nobody listens to music there. That's weird. And you go, great, nothing goes there. But where do you? Next question, where do you watch TV? Some clients don't watch TV at all. That keeps it really simple. But some clients watch TV everywhere. And if they're watching TV everywhere, we need to wire for that very, very differently than if they watch TV nowhere. And so when we start asking those questions, that then determines what sound goes with the TV. Because even if they don't listen to music in those rooms, we need to hide the sound somehow. Um, and then we start asking questions like climate. One of the biggest things that hangs people up is whenever they have radiant floor and some other type of heating or cooling. When they have radiant floor and forced air or radiant uh, floors and radiators, we end up with two separate thermostats. Who wants two thermostats in their rooms? Nobody wants that. So we end up with a control system that allows us to integrate those heating and cooling elements together in one simple way. And so questions like, what is the heating and cooling system, then determines the question of Mr. or Mrs. Customer, would you like multiple thermostats on your wall and multiple apps to go to to control these thermostats? And almost every client will say, I don't want that. And you go, great, let me fix that problem for you. So when we start to ask these really basic common sense questions in plain English, it then drives the conversation towards solutions that they might like. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Alex, I love the idea of you talking about that your home is something that you have to repair. Um, I don't think clients realize that. And I think with technology, that's one of the questions they have. And Chris, I love the wall acne. That is probably the coolest thing I've ever heard. That's my favorite <laughs> phrase for the day. So thank you. Yep. And we also call it quiet ceilings, right? Whenever we reduce the amount of stuff in the ceiling, um, how do we make the ceilings quiet? How do we reduce the wall acne? I love it. That's fabulous. You know, one of the other things about lighting and how I sell the lighting issue, this, what I think is uh, selling maybe is the wrong term, but bring that up, um, is how it helps with sleep. Um, because once we can change the lighting to work with your circadian rhythm, people are going to sleep better. And especially since we're dealing with an aging population, this is like one of the most amazing things. I, it's like, to me, this shouldn't even be an option. Like everybody should have it. Anyway, um, have, understanding these questions and how to ask is such a great uh, way for me to be able to bring the conversation up with my clients. So I really appreciate it. And, you know, under, and helping them to understand it better is what I need to do. As far as bringing in an integrator early on, it's a no-brainer. That's, you guys are part of the team. I can't, I, this is not my, this is not my ex area of expertise. And you guys have to be in there early. It's, this is amazing. I'm so thrilled to get to meet you guys and to be involved in this because it's, like I said, opened my eyes even further. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us. This was great.
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and really, I mean, Robin, you, 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 you wrapped up the show for me so perfectly there, <laughs> you know, and then this is the reason that, that I really, that I wanted to start doing these podcasts, but you know, it's, it, the t- the timing is right, but it it also is just that there's there's two industries that serve a very distinct purpose and and quite on I mean there's there's the audiovisual industry but then there's just sort of the CD a little niche of it that that serves the custom install um, pract- the art of custom installation and integration and that oftentimes gets lost when DIY gets brought up or you know or app driven, very simplistic technologies that one can buy and utilize without bringing in a professional. And, you know, there's, there's certainly is that, that conversation, but you know, the, the, the Cedia integrator, the custom installer serves very similar roles an interior designer does, which is, you know, somebody can buy a home and they can outfit it and they can put in furniture and appliances and all of those things without an interior designer. And, it's going to be their home and they're probably going to love it. But if they want that next level experience and if they want a more cohesive look and feel, a more cohesive experience, um, you know, that's, that's where you guys get involved. And, I, you know, Robin, I'm, I'm paraphrasing for you and, and hopefully I'm doing a, a, a good job. But in thinking about the show before we came on, it's, you know, there really is very little difference from an overarching perspective between what an interior designer does and the purpose that they serve, as well as what a custom installer does and the CD integrator does. And, and so I think you know the the time is perfect to start to align these two industries so that you guys can both do a better job with what you're already doing but ensure that the experience you know what that customer has come to you for it's the experience and and so to to provide confidence to both industries and create a a common connecting point where we can have the conversations and and sort of dive into the challenges and and help define or identify a better result and I feel like we did that here tonight, so, so I'm really excited about that. Um, but you know, I think that the more that we can we can have these conversations, you know, I think we're really we're serving um, we're serving technology a much better purpose, um, and and creating an environment where customers start to get that which they really want and that they need. Um, and so for that, I'm very thankful to all of you for for joining us tonight. Um, quick lap around the room. Any kind of final thoughts or uh, or or sort of questions out to to the world on, on sort of any of these technologies, Chris or Alex? So I'll I'll just jump in really quick. I mean, we're always happy to help and share. So one of the things we're always asking for people to do is to ask questions whether it's on our website, our blog, our social media, et cetera. If we're unable to help you, our job is to point you in the right direction. Sometimes clients aren't the right fit for us, and so our job is to help them find somebody who is. Um, And when the client is the right fit for us, we want to help walk them through that process as painlessly as possible. So our only request and ask out there to the world is keep asking questions. Um, Keep asking us to participate in things like this. We love it. We think it's great. Perfect. Um, Chris, how do people find Cloud9 Smart? Learn more. Yep, about you. you go to cloud9smart.com and it's the number nine not spelled out, cloud9smart.com. Excellent. Excellent. You're all over social media as well. Alex, um, jump in, kind of do the, the same similar if you would. Yeah, so a couple things. First one is nothing compares to being able to experience this stuff in person. You know, we can talk about tunable lighting and voice control and all this stuff, but until you're in an environment where you can really see it and feel it and understand it, it's hard to fully understand the, the joy. And so if you can, try to reach out to someone like Chris or myself. There's an integrator in your town, I guarantee it. And, and experience this stuff, right? Get a, get a live demo. It's, it's really important. The second thing is 
you know, what motivates me and I think what motivates you guys is just seeing a client with the biggest smile on their face because we've done an amazing job for them, right? They're so happy with the look, the feel, the performance. They want to show it off to their friends. I know for me that that just gets me so excited. And so we talked about a lot of really complicated ideas and some technologies. At the end of the day, it's really simple. We're just trying to help our clients smile, right? That's what we're all about. Yeah, absolutely. And and deliver joy, Alex. I've heard you say that before. And and that to me that's uh, that perfectly illustrates what Josh AA does. And um and I think, you know, sort of for all of us, it's uh, deliver joy. It's a beautiful thing. Um so Tommy wanted to learn more about Josh AI and follow you guys on social. How would they do that? Where would they find you? Yeah, so websites josh.ai. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all um using josh.ai spelt out. So J-O-S-H-D-O-T-A-I. And if you're in either Denver or Santa Monica, come by and see our showroom. We're in both locations. You can just email me, alex at josh.ai. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Ms. Robin, I'm going to wrap up as we started with you. We're going to end with you as well. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of share some same similar closing thoughts and how people can find you as well. Well, you know, I, I guess I want to talk to the other designers out there. It's just to find yourself a good integrator and don't be afraid of introducing your client um, technology to your clients. I think there's a huge benefit. And if our job is to help make our clients live in a home that fits their the way they live the best way, then I think this is an opportunity that's going to help our clients so much. Um, I'm impressed and, you know, Find an integrator that lives close to you that you like working with because I think this is something that's going to help everybody. Um, how to get a hold of me? It's robinrigbyfisher.com. No C. <laughs> it's a long name. Um, it's Robin, R O B I N F I S H E R. Oh, sorry. It's Robin Rigby Fisher with the R Rigby in the middle, R I G B Y. And I really messed that up. So I'm really apologize. <laughs> That's okay. Start from the beginning here. So how do they it's find you, Robin? <laughs> Robin Rigby Fisher.com. So it's R O B I N R I G B Y F I S H E R.com. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. And about Josh, or Josh, Alex, I always get his name mixed up. He always responds to my text. You're the coolest guy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. I second that. Alex is the coolest guy I know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I'm glad that tonight I wasn't the one that interchanged Alex and Josh and Josh and Alex because I, it happens almost every time that we have a conversation. And and but I think that's a, a testament actually to the brand is that's how accessible um, the team at Josh has made their people, especially Alex at the top. Um, but also at just making it um, a very comfortable conversation um, and abusing uh, all of the puns that I can here with with voice being included. But um, you know, I think to all of you, thank you for, for, for coming tonight, for sharing your insights, your knowledge, your education, and, and more than anything, really, you know, kind of leaning into the conversation and sharing your, your insights and helping others um, do a better job with what they do for a living and helping ultimately drive a, a better experience. And that's, you know, from, from what, for what I do as a profession outside of podcasting, that's, that's, that's my world. I know it is yours as well. So thanks for taking time out of your day and night to, uh, to discuss and, uh, and take a deeper dive. Um, definitely we'll, we'll catch up on this conversation all again um, and see how things have evolved as we, as we get, get further into 2019.
So that's a wrap for today's show. But if you'd like to stay up to speed on future episodes of AV Trade Talk, you can follow at AV Trade Talk on Twitter and Facebook. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Podbean or wherever else you consume your podcast content. As always, thanks for listening.